Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito with Mary Lou Nemechek. And uh, for the next couple of shows, we're going to pave the way, hopefully, for you all who are listening to us um, for the next two weeks to prepare for the season of Lent. Can you believe that Lent is already upon us, Mary Lou? I can't believe it. Of course, we're coming out of 2020, and that seemed like that was all one long Lent, right? The whole weather <laughs> was like. It really hasn't stopped because 2021 hasn't changed dramatically. Yeah, exactly. So I think we, most people listening to us will understand a little bit more, perhaps, the whole atmosphere of, uh, you know, self-examination and repentance and change and, uh, you know, whatever it is that, that God has shown us in this time. You know, who knew, you know, we're, we're recording Right now, beginning of February, we anticipate these shows are coming in uh, the two weeks before Lent starts on February the 17th. But when I think back of where I was last year in February, you know, I had just come back from Australia and New Zealand and I was getting ready to go to Costa Rica. <laughs> it was like business as usual. What? What pandemic? What do you mean? Uh, you know, I remember feeling sorry for the poor Chinese people on the boat, uh, on the places that we saw them in Australia in New Zealand, because they were all wearing masks. They were like, oh, come on, really? How, how bad could this be? <laughs> Famous last words. Um, one Lenten, big Lent year afterwards, uh, we're, still, we're still at it. So I guess a couple things. One is Lent is very early this year. It's February the 17th is Ash Wednesday, and it concludes on April 3rd with Easter. Of course, if you're a stickler, uh, Lent actually concludes the day before the Triduum. The triduum, which means three days, is, of course, the three days preceding Easter, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then Easter, right? But uh, either way, you know, you have, you have this time. It's kind of a gift, I think, that it, the church gives us to prepare for the most important um, feast of the year, you know, the most important celebration. You know, Lorena, reflecting on last year, we were in the lockdown when— when Lent started. So mm-hmm. we really didn't have an opportunity to go and get ashes or to really um, celebrate with the church all that we do during Lent. Now this year, and I don't know whether this is accurate or not, but I'm I'm hearing that we might be able to get ashes, but they would be dropped on our heads. So there wouldn't be, you know, any Contact. touching and all of that because of COVID. So, uh, and that reminds me of when we were in Rome on Ash Wednesday, and instead of giving ashes on your forehead, the custom there is to, is to do it on your head. To pour it on your head. I'll never forget the stunned faces of the people in our groups. (laughs) 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 As they had ashes literally poured on their heads, right? Right. We're used to a little dabble do you sort of thing, you know? (laughs) But but we're making headway if we can at least have, you know, Ash Wednesday services and so forth um, to kind of get us into the swing of things. Yeah, we don't we still don't have a return of the Sunday obligation, at least in our diocese and probably most dioceses in the United States. Um, So it's going to be up to, you know, personal judgment as to whether you think you can get to daily mass or whether you think it's prudent to get to daily mass or to get to Sunday mass. Um, Either way, I mean, there are ways to um, take advantage of the time that we have to prepare for Easter. Uh, In a certain way, I remember last year you and I talking about how 
getting into the spirit of Lent was not that hard because we were already in in Lent, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, I think at the time we said this is the Lentiest Lent we've ever had, right? Right. So, um, what what is the the point of Lent? Okay, so the let me just tell you a little bit about. you know, why do we celebrate Lent? Well, Lent, the whole idea of the 40 days, believe it, believe it or not, it's a quarantine, it's called, <laughs> 40 days, um, from quaranta, which is, means 40. Um, and it's the idea of a period of preparation that's just right. 40 is a number that's presented in the, in the Bible as a number of sufficiency. You know, 40 days and 40 nights, 40 years in the desert, etc., the idea that this is just, it'll be a period of sufficient time of preparation to um, prepare for for Lent. Quaresima, uh, or uh, quaresma, or carem in the Latin languages, derives from this uh, Latin number of 40, quaranta. And so uh, we have it right there in the title of the, of the season that we are to observe, the fact that it will be 40 days, which is a number of sufficiency, right? Which means that we will have exactly the right time. Now, the, the word Lent uh, in, the, in, the, in the English, in, of course, Anglo-Saxon languages, etc., the Germanic languages, comes from the old Anglo-Saxon, Lenten, Lenkten. And I think it means beginning of spring, but I could be wrong. Anyway, um, that's know, kind of—go ahead. In, in Matthew, that's a—in um, that gospel, it—, it Quotes, you know how Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert before he began his public service. So it was really a time of preparation for him before going out to um, minister to everyone. And, um, you know, I think the significance here is we've had longer than 40 days during this mm-hmm. time of, of um, pandemic to prepare ourselves. Um, and so maybe, you know, thinking about Lent that these next is it starts in the 40 days to really concentrate on being prepared and, and being prepared for, for this to all end, you know, for, for life to come back to whatever may be more normal than what we're experiencing now. Well, and also praying that it's not for an all for nothing, that we don't just pick back up where we left off, but that we come back in transformed for the better, you know, right. that, there are pundits tell us that life is never going to go back to where the way it was and maybe it won't, but is that a bad thing? You know, I guess that's would be the question. Um, the Lord is always looking for opportunities to, to transform us, to change us, to, to make us more fully who he meant us to be. You know, the, the February 7th, 17th, the start of Lent, the way they, the church figures this is um, in 2021, the first Full moon after March 21st takes place on March 28th, which means Easter falls on the following Sunday, April 4th. So you subtract 46 days from that and you get the first day of Lent, which is February 17th. Mm-hmm. That's why it changes each and every year. And as you said, it is early this year. Mm-hmm. It is early. And so um, so uh, where does the whole institution of Lent come from? You know, that might also be a, a valid question, right? The uh, the idea of a time, an extended time of repentance and fasting and extra prayer and alms, etc., comes from 
the very early church's way of preparing people to receive the sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. Um, and uh, you have actually um, accounts from St. Cyril of Jerusalem, for instance, in the 4th century, speaking about the catechumens who were preparing for baptism at Easter, uh, going through a time of preparation, and uh, a, like a perhaps a 40-day period or six-week period or some form of a period of preparation for catechumens and and people who and candidates who were actually no, they were all catechumens back then um, to prepare for receiving uh, Jesus uh, at Easter. Even back then, Easter was considered to be, of course, uh, the best time, if possible, to uh, become members of the church and to be baptized. So you have these periods, these accounts of very early times of, of fasting and preparation and repentance and and just kind of uh, hunkering down and getting ready for, um, you know, the, the, the most important event of their lives, which would be, of course, being baptized. And wasn't it the custom that they weren't um, to come into the church until after they were baptized and then could enter the church? Well, once uh, the church got out of persecutions and churches were being built, the whole idea of the baptistry, which would be where you would perform a baptism, was it was, well, if, for instance, if you go uh, to St., um, if you go to Florence today and you see the Duomo, the Duomo is, of course, the big cathedral church of, of Florence, but there's a separate building that looks like a tower that's right next to it, and it's called, quote, the baptistry. And that tradition goes back to the idea that until you were baptized, you could not enter the church. And so therefore, a baptistry would be a separate building or it would be located at the very front entrance of the church um, in a certain position, right? So that it would either host uh, a body of water where you could emerge or at least a body of water where you could be able to sprinkle uh, people for baptism. Now, the early church, of course, was immersion. Um, and so you have the custom of, that's where you get, for instance, as uh, deaconesses are mentioned at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Uh, but it was mostly meant that women who assisted other women uh, during baptism because people were baptized with no clothes on. And so you would segregate the men from the women and you would baptize the women. And of course, you would have to have um, women in there with them, helping them. So there's a, a testimony to the ancient custom of immerse, of completely immersing people for uh, for baptism. And yes, the baptistries were at the front or even outside the buildings of the church. Now, compare and contrast to today when anybody can enter a church, right? Anybody right. can come in and see the sacred mysteries, right? Anybody can come in and and um, and perhaps even abuse the sacred mysteries. You know, it's just a it's just a miracle of the condescension of Jesus, you know, of his mercy, that he would make himself available so freely to people who really don't understand what's going on, you know? Mm. So the idea is that um, there should be four separate disciplines practiced during this time that, that might be stuff that we would need to consider to do even when it's not Lent. Remember, there is that other serious period of, of repentance and preparation called Advent before the other salient moment of the church calendar, which is, of course, Christmas. So the idea is that, uh, you know, mortification, penance, fasting are never bad for you. <laughs> They're always good for you. 
we just uh, concentrate them in certain periods of time, right? So you have the discipline of prayer. So, of course, that's something we should be doing every day anyway, right? We should be praying every day. We should have personal prayer times. If we can go to Mass, we should go to Mass, you know. We, we should we should be assiduous in our in our observation in which we can achieve um, a closer relationship with the Lord right it's a time when in a certain sense we can separate from the world right to know that our faith is not just a therapeutic sort of you're okay I'm okay sort of thing you know it's not therapy our faith is not therapy our faith is an encounter with a person right? right. <laughs> it's not a self-help religion, right? But it's the answer to all the questions. You know, the answer to all the questions. You know, to, to concentrate on that person of Jesus, we have to get rid of everything else that's blocking us. So it's a, it's a time to really focus. And in order to do that, we're going to eliminate some things in our lives to unbundle the things that kind of take up all of our time and um, and allow us to um, provide excuses for not having that relationship or that prayer time or that fasting or whatever it may be. That's right. And so people always say, well, what what if I can't fast? What if blah, blah, blah? Oh, why don't you, Mary Lou, do you have in front of you the table of abstinence and, and uh, fasting? <coughs> the, uh, no, I certain, don't. There's certain obligations at Mother Church uh, imposes upon us for our health, for our well-being. And those are the disciplines of fasting and, and abstinence that we sustain during Lent. You have two days of fasting that are mandated, which is pretty amazing considering how serious this, this whole time of preparation is. The day of Ash Wednesday and, of course, the day of Good Friday. Okay. Right? So Ash right. Wednesday and Good Friday is when we are, quote-unquote, fasting, which, you know, when you look at what they ask you to do is pretty, you know, pretty minimal. You know, basically, you can have one meal a day, and then you can have another meal as long as um, it doesn't equate to an... You can have two short, smaller meals as long as it doesn't equate to to one meal. So you can... And you're just fast from meat, lamb, pork, all those sort of things. And that's abstinence, though. That's abstinence is different than fasting. And that is what we do every Friday of Lent, right? Including perhaps Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday is fast and abstinence was Mm -hmm. the point I was going to make. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, um, and I think everybody from age 14 to age 59 are required to do so. Uh, from 59 above, it becomes optional, but it's always healthy if if you have the health to do it, to to do it, you know. Um, I do know that um, that a lot of people approach the whole idea of fasting with a trepidation, right? Because there's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's hard, right? It's hard to deny yourself um, food, and especially when you're in lockdown, you know. I mean, food becomes a, a sort of another way of of uh, consoling yourself, of comforting yourself. If I could keep track of all the cakes and the baked goods that we have baked in this house since the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic, you know? And uh, so anyway, it's just, it's just one way of, of thinking about how to practice um, some form of self-denial. Let's say you cannot fast. 
from food. That's you can fast from television. You can fast from um, I don't know reading your favorite novel. You can fast from going shopping. You can fast. I mean, what are certain ways in which you can deny yourself a good? And now remember, fasting isn't. It's not denying yourself things that you should shouldn't do anyway. You know, it's denying yourself God's provision for us, food and drink and other things, um, and for the sake of the kingdom. And why? Because the purpose of mortification is to sharpen our body and our spirit, right? You know, sharpen. another exercise might be those, those things that we have a tendency to do, for instance, gossip, to fast from gossiping. I mean, mm-hmm. the things, and, and when you're talking about eating, to um, uh, it's a good thing to fast from overeating. Mm-hmm. Or having all those cookies or cakes or whatever it may be, um, you really, I think, need to take some time to concentrate on on what would be good for you um, spiritually and physically. You know, because you know we're we're sacred vessels. Um, we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're to take care of ourselves. So, Len is that time when everybody says we're going to go on diets and so on and so forth, which is fine, but you know. Do it with with, you know, a, a cause to grow closer to to Jesus, a, a cause to to um, make those habits um, steadfast and last after Lent. And that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's been on a diet knows that in the end, denial of your body, a denial of your hunger, denial of your or desire for certain things can be good for you anyway. You know, without the spiritual dimension, there's an added spiritual dimension, of course, to denying yourself certain goods for the sake of the kingdom. Right. Right. Now, remember, fasting isn't just something that that we've made up. It was found in the Old Testament with Moses. Remember, Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Remember, we could see that in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Elijah, the prophet, fasted. Uh, extensively in First Kings. And of course, as you referred to before, Jesus himself gave us the example of a 40-day fast, right? And it's right. a way of denying ourselves the excesses of life so that we might be more attuned to his voice. And you know, discipline is always a good thing, right? Discipline is always a good thing. Not over-discipline, but the discipline of the body to participate in a small way in the sufferings of Christ. And I think it could be powerful, especially if we accompany it with prayer and confession. Uh, This is a good time to consider the sacrament of reconciliation, to make a list, to write it down, to pray about it, to find out, to look up the times. You know, during the pandemic, it's a bit harder to go to confession, but it's by no means impossible. And perhaps that would also be a um, a way of mortification try and figure out how on earth we're going to get to confession this year. Now, that may not be a bad thing. We're going to continue our discussion of fasting in our next show. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> 